0: what up peeps welcome into unscripted and unprepared brought to you by real screen magazine i'm jimmy Fox, and this episode is my sit down with jesse collins the ceo and founder of jesse collins entertainment what a great guy i'm so thankful he was able to squeeze me in and i literally mean he had to squeeze me in he is extremely busy he is just coming off the heels of executive producing that halftime show at this past Super Bowl. And oh, by the way, he did the previous year Super Bowl halftime show with The Weeknd, but he just came off doing the Super Bowl. I had to wait to get him on the podcast until he had wrapped that. And now I find him in prep mode for this coming Grammy Awards, which he's executive producing, which is of course in April. So he only had a half hour for me. I had never met him before. I've heard so many amazing things over the years. He started as a writer, came up through award shows, learned the trade, eventually went out on his own, launched his own company, and his company, Jesse Collins Entertainment, does everything. From formatted shows like Hip Hop Squares and Rhythm and Flow on Netflix, to scripted mini-series like The New Edition Story and The Bobby Brown Story that broke records for BET. And in the unscripted side, Jesse Collins Entertainment is known as one of the single best companies in the world at award shows, live events, specials. Again, we're talking the Super Bowl, we're talking the Grammys. He's done work for the Oscars, the BET Awards. What can't this company do? Jesse Collins made time, and I so appreciate it. This is my sit down. I hope you enjoy it. <laughs> So I did my research. Am I right that this year marks the 10 year anniversary from when you launched the company? It might be. You've been so busy. You don't even know.
1: It probably is. That's probably about right. Yeah. 2012 sounds right.
0: I mean, when you look back at that and you just look at the last 10 years from when you launched and we're now talking Super Bowls, you have now done the Grammys, you're about to do the Grammys again here in April. Have you even been able to take a breath and look at everything you built and all the different types of shows you've been able to produce since you went out on your own? No, I'm just like now i'm now I'm thinking
1: about it. Oh, we've been very, very lucky you know we've been really fortunate. we just keep building and I don't tend to you know sit in the moments. I tend to just Okay, it's done, we survived. And then like, you know, we go, we go on to the next thing because the show is over. It really is. People leave the theater, credits roll, it's done.
0: Right, I mean, I was looking at your trajectory, I was looking at the credits (laughs) and clearly, I mean, you came up doing these BET award shows and specials and you initially, did you initially get on those because you were a writer? I was on
1: a show called
0: Motown Live
1: Um, which was uh, hosted by Montel Jordan. It was like a music show. Ken Ehrlich developed it. And I was out of work. And I went to like an angry writer's meeting about not getting work. And I met Doug McHenry, who was an EP on the show. And it was one of those things where he was like, oh, I got this show that you could work on. And we did not know each other really previous to that, not any significant relationship. And um, so I showed up and I got a job as a writer on the show. And then there was a producer on there named Svee Small who did the Grammys. Okay. And John Cassette, Pierre Cassette were about to do BET's 20th anniversary. Mm-hmm. And um, Svi said, you should meet John and you could write this BET thing that we're trying to do. And um, so I went in and I sat with John and halfway through the meeting, I said, you should really make me a producer on this. And he said he laughed. He said, "Why?" I said, "Cuz you're going to need Snoop and I know Snoop." <laughs> and that was it. And he was like, "All right, how about a co-producer?" He could have said any kind of producer. He right. could have said like mini producer. It didn't matter. I was just taking a shot and um and so I was like, "Great, let's do it." And that was really the beginning of the award show uh, trajectory.
0: Did you immediately become in-house at Cosette? Yeah. Um, you know, I wasn't in-house
1: for years. It was kind of like in-house by default because I did that show and then another show and then I did other shows. You're kind of, of-, kind,
0: of per- kind of permalance kind of thing. Like yeah, you was constantly became being-
1: permalance. Exactly. As we just started doing more, the BET business took off. There was a show called uh, Walk of Fame and then it became hip hop awards. And then it just grew and grew and grew. And BT Honors and just all these other shows. And it, the, B, you know, the cassette BET business just really just took off. And I just kind of stayed with that trajectory.
0: Right, so you spend like a decade plus mm-hmm. learning everything you can at cassette. And then in 2012, right, you launch your own company and you go out on your own. Now, when you make that decision, like, what did you have to start with?
1: John had passed. Um, and, you know, we were just trying, me and uh, John's wife, Rita Cassette, were just trying to keep things going. And at some point, um, Rita just said, go. This is, I wanted, she wanted to do something else. And she already had a very successful and still has a very successful career as a, as a stage manager. She does the Oscars and all these huge shows. And I just think it wasn't something that she was super passionate about, and she gave me the blessing to go. And we uh, and BET was like, "Will you do the BET Awards?" And I said, "Yeah." And I was signatory to unions in a couple of days, and the people that were Permalance from Cosette and the BET Awards, they were uh, they were happy, and we all worked together, and it was just kind of a changing of a
0: name on a check. Got it. Got it, got it, got it. And we
1: just kept going from there. And in
0: 2013, a year after House Husbands of Hollywood comes out in 2013.
1: 2013, that was like, yeah, Real Husbands have been a sketch in in the award shows. We converted it to a series. I partnered with some great people, legendary Stan Lathan and Ralph Fawquhar, and and then with Kevin and Tim Gibbons, who did Curb Your Enthusiasm. Just like put together like an amazing team and we launched the series and we just finished um, a sixth installment. We probably have about 80 episodes of it done.
0: I just saw that. How big of a deal is that? That it just got brought back for what BT plus, right? I just saw BT I just-
1: plus. It was, you know, it was something that was in the works for the last year or two, but you know, everybody's schedule is crazy and um, we just were really happy to get it done.
0: But, I mean, you talk about the cast, like for those that don't know, because this is obviously a reality TV podcast, but I mean we're talking Kevin Hart, Nick Cannon, JB Smoove, well, Nelly, Dwayne Martin. Martin. I mean, Robert this is like Dick. an incredible cast. No, I was looking there. Look, it's
1: all everybody is friends. It's 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 actually, you know, it really is just like there's the the group text is the show. The group <laughs> text exists no matter what. And then it's like, okay, and we should do this as a
0: show. It's funny you mentioned Snoop and you knowing Snoop early on, because I looked at like, again, some of your earliest credits, which by the way, I could do a whole episode just asking you questions about city guys. One of my my favorite TNBC, NBC Saturday morning shows. Peter Engel. Yes, the Peter Engel episode. Yeah, I could do a whole thing on that. And you also wrote on the Parenthood, the Robert Townsend sitcom. Um, But you mentioned knowing Snoop. And I saw you had like two acting credits on your IMDb, and you were listed as the DJ. Yeah. And, and then I saw that you actually were a radio DJ, right? And you had worked in yeah. some markets and eventually came to LA. I'm assuming that's where you met Snoop, but maybe that's not the right. Oh, no, it is. I met yeah. Snoop
1: in LA when I was on the beat. Oh, and, you're on the beat. I was on the beat in '90. I came to radio. I came to LA in '93,
0: '94. Oh. oh my God. So
1: I was on. I kind of like right when the whole death row thing started. And so I remember playing Snoop's records early. I remember seeing Snoop, like I, you know, we were talking about my first call it Hollywood party was a Dre party and Snoop was there and it was in Malibu and it was like a whole thing. And so, yeah. um, And like I, when I was on the radio, I did um, ruthless radio with easy E. So we were like one of the first, it was like, Sway and Tech, yeah, Radio. We were kind of like the first West Coast. Baker Boys were in the morning, but like first, like Saturday night. And then um The Joint was another one. So it was just like we were part of that early crew of West Coast hip hop radio shows.
0: I have fond memories of growing up listening to the Baker Boys in, in the oh, morning. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Cause I, I grew up just outside of LA. Uh, and then I moved up to NorCal when I was 13. But Fond memories of Power 106 and the Baker Boys in the Morning and the whole the whole thing. Oh, yeah, all and that. What an amazing time for you to come up and come out here as a radio DJ. What, was what was the radio DJ name?
1: Jesse Collins.
0: It was just Jesse Collins. Just you, never, you never, you know, you never flirted with an alien. Uh, I never
1: came up with anything more clever, <laughs> but no, and it was fun. I did um, you know, I did the ruthless thing with easy, and then I did overnights, which allowed me a lot of freedom. I was playing pretty much whatever I wanted and you know it was just like people would Snoop would call up and say, play this. And I'd be like, Yeah, sure. Doesn't matter. And so it was just fun. It was just a really fun
0: time. Now you flash forward because you taught you mentioned Snoop. You flash forward to just this past Super Bowl. And I'm mm-hmm. I'm like so intrigued to talk to you about what goes in to to producing this the Super Bowl halftime show. You did it last year as well. So when you first get the call what is it you you find out that there's an opportunity and they want to meet with companies for the halftime show do you meet with the NFL like how does this all work
1: I you know I for me I think it was not the normal way it was just you know Desiree you know Rock Nation made the decision without an interview Desiree and Dan Parisi and Janet Fleischman all just called me I didn't know what it was about and uh, Desiree Perez just said, "We want you to produce the halftime show." That was it, and I said yes, and that was the end of it. And then Des was like, "Tomorrow, you're going to meet the NFL, and you're going to talk to everybody at, uh, you know, Brian and Peter and everybody at the NFL. But you know, you have the job unless you act like an asshole on the call with them. Um, and that's it. And that's and that was the weekend. So."
0: right last last year was the weekend, and yeah. you are now your your productions are now responsible for two of the most gifted moments Gif gif of the weekend getting lost in the glass house as well as 50 cent hanging upside oh. down' <laughs> yeah. like, oh no production. no
1: it's, it's GIF it's gift moments so yeah, yeah I mean listen just like I know most people pitch and they go, but there was there was a room I'm assuming there was there was a room and Jay and Des and all of them said, ah let's just give it to Jesse and that was the end of it. So it was so this a very came, fortunate experience.
0: So this comes through Rock Nation having this yep. partnership with the NFL to now produce these shows. So when you get into planning, are are you now having to pitch concepts visually to like let's let's talk about this this past one with, with Dre and Snoop and all of them? Are you in there? And does your team have to come up with a production designer to come up with the whole house motif? How no. To,
1: how- um, so what happened is Dre hired Ez Devlin who did the weekend the year before, but as has also done countless other things, we've yeah. worked with as on award shows and yeah. just live stuff. And it's like an incredible uh, resume. And so it started really with, you know, everything with Ez before the design is what's the message, what's this about? And it was just conversations about that. And then she came back with that idea, obviously Dre, Dre signed off on it first. And then she comes to us and says, I want to build a street. And then we all figure out how to build a street uh, with Bruce Rogers and our our whole team. Um, And it's just, you know, it's just like a collaborative effort going forward.
0: And how much rehearsal time does your director and and does your camera team have to block it with that set in SoFi? Leading up to the halftime show on Super Bowl Sunday, because you just look at with oh, with cameras, yeah, with cameras, like how much rehearsal time is there for the whole team to know the movements and the shots? Because it's like you know, these halftime performances are like eight performances rolled into one, especially the one this past Super Bowl.
1: So, Monday, so we get in with cameras on the field the Monday before the Super Bowl, okay. Um. Maybe we got three runs, probably two. And then Tuesday, another two runs. Wednesday was our dress rehearsal. So that's two runs. Dark Thursday. And we got two runs on Friday. And that's it.
0: And then down Saturday.
1: And we're dark Saturday and then show Sunday.
0: And how many of those runs are actually with Eminem, Dre, Snoop? 50? All, how of ma- all of them.
1: All of them, all of them. We're, and then we were at Barker with no cameras, just, you know, I wanna say, you know, Hamish had iPhones and you pro serve camera, you know, consumer cameras, stuff like that. And we had the set and we were in Barker for probably two weeks.
0: Got it. And you have an entirely different team, like entirely different camera team and director that does this. It's not the same folks that are doing the broadcast of the actual game, correct?
1: There's a total, So basically, the way the Super Bowl works is um, halftime, the game ends, and then they pass over control to us. So then we are in total control of everything. And then at the end of the half, we give it back to the network. That so lot. it's basically, you know, the whole thing is about getting it on and off. So you have it. We had eight minutes to get the thing on. And then they call it the point of no return. Once we say we're set, then they ran this two-minute promo. And then out of that promo, we're into the show. So once we say go, that's it. Yeah. Like hell or high water, when Nick comes back, you're in the show. So it's a a lot of pressure.
0: And is there a rep from the NFL sitting there, like a network executive, sitting there watching every run-through?
1: Oh, absolutely. There's lots of them, but you know, uh, uh, Seth Dudowski who is our point is with us through the whole process. And, but he's also, you know, Seth starts with us, um, from really day one from back in September when we're just starting to ideate. And Seth is just like this amazing exec at the NFL that deals with everything from, you know, creative logistics, such and such wants to go to the NFL experience. Can you get Blasey Blah's cousin in to get an autograph from whoever, like, it's just, you know, somebody wants to meet Al Michaels after the show, Seth, you got to make it happen, you know, whatever, or Seth, we need an extra run. I know we're supposed to be off the field. You got to convince the league to let us do that. You know, whatever. It's, it's kind of like his job is just, you know, it, it's, you can't even define it.
0: And Just looking at everything you've done over the years, everything as a company, are you personally a pop culture junkie? Because, you know, like I, the new edition miniseries that you did, and then you later did the, the Bobby Brown story, right? You're doing, you're doing the Martin cast reunion show. Are you just like a big pop culture guy yourself?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then like, cause we just, you know, coming from live, television and from radio it's like you love to create moments and pop culture always drives moments so even in scripted you know you do a new edition thing you know it's pop culture you do real husbands you know it's pop culture it's not and any look euphoria right now not a part of it but it's culture yeah you know it's like it's showing you all sides of it maybe the parts some of the parts you want to see some of the parts you don't but it is it is like it is right in the zeitgeist of, of uh, pop culture right now.
0: Now is this, is the Martin Cast Reunion, is that gonna be on HBO Max? No, where, no, it'll be on
1: BET, uh it's on BET.
0: Cause I can't remember who the studio was behind the original, who owns the HBO. rights. It is HBO, that's what it I is thought, HBO.
1: Okay. So now it's going to be on BET and BET Plus.
0: Oh my God, and when is that supposed to drop?
1: Don't know yet, we're still editing. It was really a lot of fun you know, the pictures are out, you see that they're on like a, a, the set and, um, they really peel back the layers and you understand why it was so funny. The chemistry, the inside connections between them. Yeah. It's like, and of course it's wall to wall, like moments and clips and stuff, but you, yeah. when you watch it, you're like, oh, that's why it was so great. Like they really were people that really loved and respected each other and still do to this day
0: well and and the breaking of the wall moments were my favorite parts of martin yeah you know well, like they, they right? talk
1: about how they they would laugh and they'd have to turn and you we kind of show how like martin's like tashina arnold is doing something and martin can't hold it so he turns
0: yeah like there were moments where they would they would keep it they would, they would keep it in sometimes, you know, and clearly, yeah. they'd break the wall. They would like show him running through sets or whatever right. it is. Like they would keep that in where most sitcom rules would, you know, bar no, you it, was from doing just, that.
1: it was all just, it was all fun. Whatever would get the biggest laugh is what they were, what they were trying to do.
0: God, that, era, that era of Fox. I mean, you just talk about the influence it had on, on later generations. And I remember, I remember watching living color rock and, and Martin. Right. And I feel yeah. like, it, I feel like it was like a Sunday night block unless my memory yeah, is, was. is cloudy. Was. Right. Yeah. And, and like and in living color to me deserves to have its own six episode limited series. Oh my God. Show, I can't right?
1: imagine the stories behind that. It's gotta be amazing.
0: Right. I mean, just like with, with Keenan and like Damon having been on SNL and then like leaving SNL, a family at the center of producing this show, but then bringing in people off the street, so to speak, like David Allen Greer and tommy davidson jim Jim carrey jim carrey it's like and then like j-lo's dancing i mean it's no it's unbelievable that's that's my that's my white whale that's my white whale limited series oh Uh, absolutely let's talk about hip-hop squares for a second so do you just get the call from the rights holders or is this something you were like i think i can bring back hollywood squares and rebrand it where does this where does this originate
1: uh chris mccarthy and nina diaz okay at, uh, at vh1 mtv um Chris had done, they had done hip hop squares before and then they wanted to try it again. And Chris was really, Chris and Nina were very open to like what we could do with it. And with the mandate of just make it a party. Yeah. And so we started with the set, Brian Stone Street came up with this great idea of like, you know, in the original people are, you know they're in the squares. Yep. And this one was kind of tiered. So people could run around. There was a lot of movement. It didn't, you still had the squares and the questions, but it just, like there are episodes when I don't even think we finished the game. (laughs) Like two X's then an O, and it was like, oh, you got more points, you win. So it was just kind of like really kind of making it more of a party that happened to also be a game show. Um, And that was the mandate that, um, that Chris and Nina gave. And, you know, it was just a great team. And we were able to pull that off.
0: How many seasons did you guys do of that? Because I, I remember.
1: St- we did, I think we did 20. We did either two, at least two seasons, maybe three. And then it. we were going into another season when uh, COVID hit. Got it. We were literally in pre-production when, um, When, when the pandemic kicked in.
0: Do you see any ripple effects from what production has had to deal with during COVID?
1: I think there's a little bit of a reset going on. People realize what they can do with less money and less people. You know, you can't have the, the 20 person entourage, you know, um, obviously people we're still testing. We're still, you know, people are still taking PCR tests every day or every other day to get on set. And I don't, I don't know if that's gonna change anytime soon. Um, people, Zoom exists now. So people are, uh, there's probably a little more communication. Like, I think it's gonna settle into a good balance because when you do it all Zoom, you lose the creative chemistry, mm-hmm. but you get better communication of information. Yeah. So now, as we come out of this, Hopefully we can get the best of both worlds. We got to jump on a phone, grab a bunch of people. Let's all grab a Zoom. At least we're face-to-face. How many days do we have to rehearse? How much does it cost? Whatever, like all of that logistical stuff you can get through. And then when we all come together, we can really figure out the creative part of it.
0: I I just had lunch with a network executive friend of mine. I I won't reveal the name. And I was asking him like, how do you on the network side feel about Zooms and pitch meetings moving forward? are we gonna go back to in-person pitch meetings? Do you guys feel the need? And he was basically talking about how his department and his network was like split where some people were like, no, we don't need to do these in person. And the other half were like, well, our producers are gonna be offended if we don't take in-person pitch meetings. And I wanna hear your thoughts on this because my feelings are, let's keep the pitch meetings on Zoom. It's more efficient for everybody involved, but for kickoff meetings, let's do those in person. So once we actually have something sold and we're making a production together, let's get in a room for that. But for, for pitch meetings, I'd rather just do this, have half hour increments, not have to worry about driving, you know, to Santa Monica <laughs> three o'clock on a Wednesday, you know, and doing the bottled water tour around Hollywood. That's my feeling, but I mean, I don't know, you might, you might have a different gut on it because I think everyone I think kind of has a different point of view. So I think it depends on the pitch.
1: If it's the first pitch, then do it on zoom if you got to go back and now like yeah the buyers are in the room you've tweaked it with whatever and this is like the hey are we doing this or not probably better in person because then you can as a seller read the room take input right then and there and in sometimes because sometimes pitches are fluid just you know, an executive says, but can it be like this? And if you can pivot to that and not, and, and the key is to pivot to it without destroying the idea and show that you're not just placating them, but yeah. really like, yes, that's a good idea. How, here's how we can make that work. And it'll make everybody feel like, oh, we're working together and, and we've made something better. Yeah. That's hard to accomplish on Zoom because a lot of times on zoom, everybody is around, around the last 10 minutes, everybody starts looking at their phone. Yep. They start, da-da-da-da-da. they start, they start checking out. And so it's, um, that's my opinion on it. First pitch, see if you even think you might want to do it. Great. You get an opportunity to go back and, and yeah. get in the green room or get in that green light space do it in person.
0: I'm totally down with that plan too. I'm, I'm totally with you. I was also telling my friend, here's the deal. When I'm pitching, even on zoom or in the real world, I know within the first five minutes if this is going well or not. Right. 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 So, so having somebody from the producer standpoint, having to pitch and seeing network executives in person, just completely spacing on you and being miserable. And you know, they're miserable as you're pitching is the worst, right? Oh no, it's absolutely the worst. But, it's but, like, but, But, at least on Zoom, those network executives who aren't enjoying the pitch can do a better job of hiding it because <laughs> because they can like open up another screen and they could like be doing wordle while I'm pitching. and I don't even know, right? They right. can be checking emails, and I don't even know. But in person, those 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 network executives can't hide because they're sitting at the table and they cannot hide. No, no, and no, no, they're stuck. And it is I mean, but I guess I would just be
1: like, I would also feel like okay, we made it to in person. They're (laughs) serious because at this point, no one's going to ask you to come in in person unless they're really serious about doing. Unless they're just—that should be the bar. If we're bringing you in, it's because this is like we're—we got some questions. We heard the pitch, but can you really do this for this? Can this really work? Blah blah blah. We we need to look in your face and know that it can happen or not.
0: Before that should we... be the bar. I think. I think we just cracked it. Yeah. I think we. I think we just cracked what's in person worthy and what's Zoom worthy moving forward on on the meetings. I would. That would be. It's like a callback. Like a callback. Yeah. Uh, it's the first one's like a self tape. The next one's yeah. like a callback. Exactly. All um, right. So you've done so much live TV. You've been in tension filled control rooms and in the trailers and everything. I, I want you to tell me your one best story that you tell everybody at a cocktail party that has to do with producing live television. Um, and I know I'm putting oh, you on the spot.
1: Listen, I'll tell you one. This is only one because I have a Zoom with him in two minutes. Okay. When, when, uh, when Puff fell in the hole on the BET Awards was like the most nerve-wracking thing because we saw it coming. We saw oh. him heading towards it. And I was terrified because I also know that Lil' Kim is going into that lift. So I thought he was going to fall on her. And the stage manager just held her back at the last second. He fell in and bounced out. And then she went in the slot and we brought her up. And it was like the luckiest moment. And also that's when I realized that like Puff has incredible just star power and character and resolve because... He just fell in front of the world and he not only did he bounce up and keep going, but the energy, the like, I'm going to finish this with total confidence. It's like everybody else is immortal. Everybody else would have just stayed in the hole. Or if they came up, they would have went to a corner and let Kim do the thing. He finished the performance. So I was like, this guy's my this guy's my hero. Um, so that's something that like, I'll never forget because it just showed me no matter how big you are, life can throw you insane obstacles and then you can bounce back. And that moment was like a thing of like every, yeah, people laughed, whatever, but there was also like a, oh shit. And they just loved him even more because of how he handled it. That's so- the best.
0: That's the best. know send send puff my love i will enjoy the zoom i appreciate you doing this man and squeezing it in thank you i appreciate it it's nice to finally meet you good to meet you all right i'll talk to you soon thanks jesse thanks Thanks. Bye.
1: bye